everybody. Welcome to the Base Brotherhood. This is episode number six. My name is Alex, aka Lead Pacer. I'm joined by our production guru, Lasad Corday, and our esteemed guest, Zcash Money, in the house. How's it going, man? <laughs> it's going good, man. Uh, pretty, uh, pretty fun day today. Just a little bit of trading and stuff like that. What about well, you? Over, well, oh, I'm doing well. I, I've, I'm just, you know, watching. I got the Bitcoin ticker open in my, uh, you know, one of my 25 browser tabs. <laughs> and saw it run up today to, you know, I think 39 plus thousand and yeah, almost, just, just almost hit 39,000. And now we're looking at 36,000, but, uh, what have you been playing today? What, what trades are, are you looking at? Uh, in crypto, absolutely nothing. I just played, uh, played some options this week, missed out on some stuff that I should have taken too, but, uh, it was all primarily, uh, stock market related not crypto so are, are you do you do um in terms of a percentage are you more of a stock guy than crypto or i mean how, how do you kind of allocate your uh, your investments well um they both started probably somewhere around equally weighted uh obviously the the crypto part of it outperformed a lot um over the last year i mean you know i'm i'm down right now of course on on multiple things but um in general that that is where i uh like the portfolio definitely had a little bit of divergence where the crypto part of it way overtook the stock part of it um i don't you know and this this isn't great probably but i don't necessarily think about like allocating um any certain percentage to stocks or crypto mm -hmm. um you know I'm, I'm not the youngest guy but i i'm 28 years old so um i'm a little bit more risk averse and just that that's kind of just how i am in general um but at, at my age i'm i'm willing to take a lot more risk yeah, well, that's, you know, now that you've aged yourself, I can divulge that I'm 38. So I've got a decade on you in terms of, you know, risk tolerance. And, you know, I jumped into this market back in January of, of uh, last year and realizing that I didn't know that much. But, it, you know, I'd played around with the stock market and didn't do as well as I'd liked. And I had, you know, I played like the whole AMC thing and... I was in some SPACs. I even did some precious metals mining um, trading. And I realized this is, you know, kind of ridiculous. And temperamentally, I felt like, you know, I was pulled into crypto. And then, you know, remember, you know, this was, you know, a little bit, I guess, really heading into the peak of the bull market. I jumped in in, in uh, January, February, and it was pretty damn awesome. You didn't really have to know all that much. I mean, if you were just participating in the market, you know, even buying simple things like Bitcoin and Ethereum, you know, that was a really good time. And, uh, you know, then I, you know, everything happened in, in May and I realized I don't really know that much at all. And I took a lot off the table and, uh, you know, then things kind of kicked back up again and I, you know, invested a little bit more and kind of saw what was coming, um, over the last few months and decided to pull back out again. And, you know, I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on, 
you know, this particular crypto cycle, it doesn't seem like it's really following the historical trends. And, you know, how are you reading things right now? So obviously, uh, a lot of it's going to come back to traditional markets where um, at some point last year, uh, I think that there were kind of a few times uh, around, was that May? when we had a you know a little bit of a of a turnaround for mm -hmm. bouncing back and everything um people were talking about uh bitcoin not having a correlation to traditional markets and specifically the s p 500 um where that has definitely been disproven i mean there's it's like a tick for tick correlation so to me personally, I mean, you have to be looking at, you know, in my perspective, you have to be looking at the macroeconomic conditions, which is like, you know, I, I'm, I'm a young guy. Let's go back to that. Like, you know, in 2000, 2008, 2001, I mean, even 2008, I was a baby and 18 years old or whatever, or 16 years old or something like that. Um, mainly, I'm... I'm watching to see what happens with the S&P 500 and the stock market in general. And obviously, uh, you know, today was a little bit of an eventful day um, in, in perspective to that market. Um, as, uh, as we started nuking uh, in the S&P 500, Bitcoin followed literally a couple minutes after. Um, that's your talking about you know got to what 38 39 or so and got slapped right back down mm -hmm. so overall um what i'm looking for personally is you know I, I don't know if the correction is done here um but the outlook was basically look for a deep correction where you know we could potentially have a turnaround um, and I do think that uh, in the stock market that we are still going to, to rally to new highs. So, mm. you know, Bitcoin's a little bit more, um, it, it's more of a risk on asset, you know, even more so than stocks. And looking at it last year, um, it tended to kind of lag the stock markets move so like you know the smp could have been going up you know just grinding up slowly um bitcoin would not follow immediately and you know start with these like parabolic moves it, it wasn't until like you know the spy had you know multiple good days in a row or you know a three percent day or something like that there was a, a range established that like bitcoin would start following um, and on the, you know, to, to counter that on the downside, um, any downside movements in the SPY, when I say SPY, I'm referring to S&P 500, any small movements to the downside in the S&P result in, you know, significantly larger Bitcoin dumps, which um, if you notice, even in the last uh, in the last two weeks, 
um, when we had the SPY dump a couple times and, you know, people were saying that Bitcoin was decorrelating or whatever because it was holding up. Mm -hmm. um, well, it actually wasn't. All it did was kind of lag the S&P 500's moves. And then, you know, that's when we saw a nuke from uh, 40. What was that about? 47, I think. Or no, from 44. Um, and then that, that nuke accelerated pretty quickly uh, after the S&P 500 had dumped. And you could actually see that on the charts there. So uh, to summarize the answer, watching um, everything on like a, on a global perspective, really uh, seeing what the S&P 500 is doing. And, uh, you know, my assumption is that Bitcoin is going to lag those moves you know whether it's to the up or downside mm. so this are you a full-time trader investor so as of uh as of now yeah um i uh my you know just to go a little bit into my background i uh yeah please I was in, yeah and I'll, I'll actually go back you know I'll probably uh lead right into some of the other things that we're going to talk about, but I've always had, uh, I've always had an interest in like markets and economics and stuff like that. Um, but I was also playing basketball growing up and that, that kind of took, you know, the majority of my time. That is what I mainly did for a long time, played college basketball. Wow. Uh, once I got done with that, I, um, decided to go into sales. I wanted to learn sales, kind of get out of my uh, comfort zone. And it's not like, you know, I was super shy and quiet kid uh, by any means, but um, I, I wanted to learn sales. Um, I thought it was a valuable skill. And uh, I got into that, did that for about three and a half years. And I was super successful there. I mean, from the very first quarter, I was with the company. I was a top rep in the whole company and replicated that for three years. And uh, I got out of that um, actually last year, uh, I think around July. Um, so kind of around the lows of, uh, of the crypto market. Um, so I just went out on my own and, you know, I had a nice stack on the side, both in crypto and stocks. And nice. I'm also uh, working on a business here um, with a really good friend of mine at the moment as well. So uh, just uh, another, uh, you know, we're looking to build something long-term and obviously build another avenue for for income and cash flow. Because um, overall, you know, with trading and investing um, and trading in particularly, it kind of reminds me of, you know, doing full commission sales where, you know, you don't have, there's no guaranteed income when you show up in the morning. Um, you have to make it happen. And, uh, yeah, know, I mean, you, you, you eat what you kill. I mean, that's it. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, you might have a, a, a $2,000 loss today or a hundred dollar gain or, you know, a, a $6,000 gain or whatever you, you don't exactly know. Um, you know, going into battle pretty much every morning. Um, 
So, you know, you really have to adapt. You have to be able to kind of change your line of thinking, which, you know, for me, uh, changing my opinions, it's, you know, it's, it's not the easiest thing. I can be a, a little bit stubborn and stuff like that. So anyways, we're here today and, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I do full time at the moment. Well, I think a thing that, you know, a couple of things you said there that I really like is that you're a guy that, you know, you cast a wide net and you're trying multiple things and finding out what works for you and maybe other things don't, but you're, you're casting a wide net, you're open to opportunities and you're also looking at building something beyond just trading and investing. And, and that's kind of, you know, I, I've had a, you know, the last year was, was good for me and, uh, you know, put me in a good position for this year, but I'm looking to build, you know, businesses with longevity and cash flow. Um, and I, I looked at, you know, you know, trading is something that's, it's kind of a one-off and it's a window in time. And, you know, personally, um, you know, I don't know if I'm good enough to, you know, be profitable significantly in a crypto bear market. I just don't know if that's something that I can do. And I'll certainly be paying attention and maybe play some bets. But in terms of, you know, again, really getting a whole lot out of it, I just I don't have that level of confidence. So and I'm encouraging people, too, that are, you know, you know, th this this show is really geared in for younger men. And uh, there's some guys that have done extremely well in crypto and we're, you know, I want to encourage them. And a lot of them are doing this is developing other businesses, whether it's in real estate or it's a product of some kind, um, you know, to do more than just crypto, because this can go away for a while and you need to have something else, another, you know, set of skills that you can, uh, that you can jump right into. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and what I'm doing, I have, uh, like I mentioned, a very good friend of mine, you know, we pretty much grew up together since middle school. He's been in the, in the construction industry. Um, so is his dad for you know, a really long time. And, um, I've been in sales, uh, you know, working for a huge, um, you know, 50, $60 million company or whatever. And I learned a lot of skills, picked up a lot of, uh, a lot of resources from, you know, having the opportunity to do that and where, you know, it, it, it only makes sense to, to get together and, you know, work on something. He's got the, the production end of it and uh, I've got the sales end of it. So, you know, uh, we're going to make something work. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of money in those unglamorous industries too. I mean, coming from construction, I know, I mean, I know a lot of people like, you know, come from Texas and there's a hell of a lot of people that have made money in construction and in real estate. I mean, it's, again, it doesn't seem like all that appealing. It's not necessarily sexy, but, um, it's always going to be there. You know, we need more housing. We need more buildings. We need, there's always going to be a need for these types of things. And so, um, you know, that, that's really good. Right. And, uh, you know, something that I, I picked up from uh, the CEO of the company that I was working with and, you know, he's been in that business for a long time. Uh, one of the reasons, it's actually pretty interesting, one of, and something that you touched on right there, one of the reasons that um, when he uh, went off to start his own business and, you know, he's really a sales guy at the end of the day as well, um, he stuck with the construction industry was... <clears throat> no matter what the economy was like, uh, there was always work. 
So, you know, uh, you have a leaky roof or, you know, whatever it may be, uh, plumbing issues of some sort, you can't, you know, flush your toilet because your, your entire's, your entire home's uh, plumbing system is corroded or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, you're going to find a way as a, as a homeowner to you know, pay for these things to stay in your home. I mean, you're not going to go off and buy a new house and, and like a downturn, for example, you're, you're going to find a way to pay for what you need to get done. So um, it, it just makes sense. Uh, as, as, you know, as a business um, for, you know, long-term cash flow, whether it's in a, you know, bull market for, for the economy or, or, or a downturn. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about how we met um, and then, you know, kind of get into the, the heart of the matter here and talking about privacy coins and, you know, how that's going to be a really important thing moving forward. Um, you know, we, we've basically been linked through a mutual friend and, in a Twitter message group where there's a lot of anonymous people. And, you know, I remember when I first got added to this group, I'm like, holy crap, you know, we've got like 70 something people in here and, you know, are all over the map. And over time, people start to emerge within the chat and providing real value. And I don't know, if, I don't think I'm one of them, to be completely honest, but I enjoy observing, you know, people's, you know, different skills, you know, their, their expertise. And, you know, you kind of start to synthesize, you know, the, the, uh, the nature of the group and who you need to pay attention to. And you were one of those people for me. And, and, and I actually, it seems like I've been getting more Zcash, you know, type of, uh, prompts within my Twitter feed, you know, in general, I guess I followed that particular topic and, you know, I've always been a believer in privacy and I've watched, you know, kind of binge watched dozens of YouTube videos with John McAfee. And I just thought, you know, this, he's a, he's just a, a, he's a true genius. You know, obviously, you know, he had his troubles, but, um, a, a brilliant, brilliant man that saw the need for cryptocurrency to be usable in something that would, um, you know, it's not just speculating and, and trading it, but people actually using it and the privacy elements of it were going to be the most important. And he actually went from being a BT, you know, a Bitcoin guy to, you know, liking Ethereum and other coins and then really not liking Bitcoin. And he was all about Monero and about DEXs and doing anything we could to build a crypto ecosystem that was privacy oriented. And that just made sense to me because, you know, this can get taken away with regulation. And the only thing, you know, recourse we have to really maximize crypto is, is via privacy. And I'd like to ask you, uh, you know, as someone that's been around, you know, been in this, these markets for a little bit, how did you, you know, is it something where you came into it and you're like, yes, I see the inherent need for privacy. A lot of these coins are not. I mean, what was your journey in, in getting interested in privacy coins? And then we can talk a little bit about Zcash and why that's so special to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I'd say uh, it it's more of an ideological thing more than anything. Um, you know, I was interested in, in, in this kind of stuff uh, growing up. Um, I think people like uh, Julian Assange, Edward Snowden, though, I, I don't agree with those guys, you know, on, on everything, but 
some of the things that they were able to expose, you know, about, um, you know, how our data is being tracked and stuff like that all over the internet. I mean, you know, in the monetary aspect and, you know, where you're spending money and, and all this kind of stuff, your email addresses, passwords, you know, files, pictures, whatever stuff that could be, you know, exposed to, I don't know, in any sort of counterparty that you don't want it exposed to. So for me personally, it was uh, a little bit of, uh, a little bit, it was an ideological thing, which, you know, that I have to be conscious and aware of when I, people aren't great at betting um, kind of on our beliefs or maybe our beliefs can get in the way of actually, you know, even, even, making money absolutely Um, yeah definitely so for me it's it's been an ideological thing for sure which you know it it does concern me at times because you know i I, you know i've i've held an underperforming asset relative to the you know rest of the crypto market as the majority of of my crypto portfolio actually um so that that is something that I think about, you know, here and there. But overall, um, you know, I I just believe in it. Um, I believe in the people that are behind it, the technology, and uh, you know, the use cases for it are immense on both the the privacy aspects and scaling aspects for blockchains, which they notoriously have uh, kind of an issue with that, unless you can reduce the code and the amount of data that um, the blockchain has to store in every block. So anyways, definitely an ideological, um, ideological reasoning brought me to Zcash. And I respect that because, you know, I remember hearing um, McAfee banging on about Monero and I look and I was like, okay, I mean, if this man is saying something about Monero, I need to look into it. And I remember, you know, going down the rabbit hole and watching videos of Monero and then uh, trying to read the white paper, which has been updated and is probably close to, if not surpassing 120 pages. And we're talking like algorithms and you've got to be, you know, there's a, there's a IQ threshold of which I'm not sure that I meet to be able to really focus, read and assimilate all this information and make sense of it. Um, but it, it was, it was really amazing. Like, holy, you know, fluffy pony. as 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 one of the guys that you know i guess the main guy and the architect of that and it was just like why aren't my whole thing was why aren't people using this because we see what governments are doing like we we, and we know that bitcoin addresses and and uh, and and wallets are, are are traceable and you know with centralized exchanges imposing kyc and it's going to get worse and worse and worse over time um you know as draconian regulations come down on the exchanges which are really you know the on and off ramps um and people wanting to go into the dexes but this is going to continue to get more and more complicated on the regulatory side and i was you know my thought was if people were using monero or zcash right now and people were using this in their life and transactions and you had vendors that, that were taking it if it were um, if it were something that was used more commonly, we would have a great, you know, stake in the ground for what's coming. 
And my fear is that it's not being used enough and people are not valuing privacy coins appropriately. These things are way undervalued. If you look at where governments are going and what's going to be necessary for us to have private transactions with each other, these are dramatically undervalued assets. And, um, you know, I just wish people cared more about privacy than some of the other narratives that we see, you know, that are so pervasive in crypto. What do you think about that? Yeah. Um, when it comes to usability, I mean, realistically, uh, you know, as of today, um, crypto is, it's not very widely adopted. I mean, people may have, I don't know what the figure is. I, I think it, um, the figure of or percentage of people that have at least bought cryptocurrencies, it, it's pretty high. I don't know what it's at, but it, it's got to be hovering around, I don't know, 50% or something crazy at this point, um, at least here in the United States. But people aren't actually using it, you know, and that, I think that's um, that that is a. Uh, kind of something that is going to have to develop over time and maybe uh a lot a lot of times people don't do things until there's a force pushing them to to find a solution and and do something different so uh, that's kind of I, I don't want to say one of my fears or it's more of one of my concerns that like that value um is not going to be realized until it is like absolutely needed, not, not just, you know, wanted. Um, when it comes to like the issues of uh, you were talking there about uh, government regulations and they're talking about monitoring transactions over, you know, 600 bucks or all, all this sorts of nonsense. Mm -hmm. I just had a situation yesterday, for example, where, uh, I didn't even know this. I guess, it, you know, a, a lot of times when I make bigger purchases, I try to try to do them cash. But um, yesterday I had some bigger purchases. I went over some certain limit and uh, I get out of the gym yesterday and I um, trying to buy like a protein thing or whatever over there. And my card gets declined. I call my bank and they blocked my card, um, blocked me from being able to spend any more money that day because I went over some certain threshold or something like that. I hate that. You know, that that kind of stuff is, it, it, it does really kind of irk me a little bit. Um, back to usability and people realizing value of privacy coins. I mean, really, it just comes back to ease of use, scalability, and um, getting this technology into the hands of as many people as possible. Um, how do we do that? I mean, in my view, the only um, kind of the, the, the solution is, uh, is an easy app. You know, yes. just a, a very easy to use app. Like mm -hmm. if I can hand my, uh, you know, my dad, who's 66 years old he knows how to use a, a computer a phone so you know he's he's uh not completely like technologically inept but <laughs> um it, the day that i can hand him you know my my phone with 
you know, a Zcash app on there or something and he can navigate it or, you know, figure it out pretty easily. Uh, that's, that's essentially what it's going to take. Um, and we don't necessarily have that today. It's, it's all very complicated. I mean, you know, you get someone to set up a MetaMask wallet to start messing around with some of this Ethereum stuff. I personally don't even feel comfortable, like, um, engaging my family to like, you know, necessarily do that kind of stuff. You know, let me help you with this MetaMask wallet and set up all this stuff. Cause then at the end of the day, it always comes back to phone calls. Like, Oh, how do you do this? How do you do that? Like this, that, and the other. And it, it's, it's all very complex at the moment. It's, it's a lot of uh, very niche communities, you know, very nerdy communities. Um, and on the Zcash, uh, on the Zcash front, um, one of the one of the characteristics of the community is like, or the people that are into Zcash or you know are buying it or using it or whatever, uh, it kind of reminds me of um, not like I was you know around those circles very much, but um, just going back through some of this stuff, it's like it, it reminds me of like the earlier Bitcoin community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not super commercialized yet or anything like that. You don't have people pumping it left and right. It's uh, mainly a, a community of people and it attracts people that are interested in these features. Um, another, and there, there's kind of, there, there's two worlds to, you know, how this can all play out. And I, I can go on a little bit about that and talk about differences with like Monero um, and Zcash. Uh, yeah, like let's do that. I, I want to reaffirm a couple of things you said, you know, um, about not having apps that are really, you know, that have, you know, a good user interface that are user friendly. I remember going to the Bitcoin conference uh, here in Miami last year. And by the way, if you happen to come out here in April, please let me know. Would love to meet up with you. It's, it's a good place for crypto in general beyond just Bitcoin. But I remember going to Peter McCormick's uh, party. And I actually didn't go to the conference because it was just shilling miners, my, you know, mining rigs and, and things like that. So mm-hmm. I didn't actually go. And they, it was so poorly planned. It was in the middle of Wynwood. There's no parking in Wynwood. It, it's trashy. It was overcrowded. It was a total shit show. Um, but I, but there were some fun events around it. And one of them was Peter's, Peter's party. And there was some, a lot of OGs there, you know, pomp and breed love and, you know, plenty of other people that are very well known were there. And I remember talking with some of these guys that are very, very sharp Bitcoin folks, you know, and Bitcoin is the only one for a lot of them, you know, all roads lead back to Bitcoin. And I remember saying, guys, this stuff just doesn't work in terms of like DeFi being accessible to normal people. And if you want to win, it's got to be intuitive for a person with, you know, that's within a standard deviation of the average IQ. I mean, you just, you have to, you have to be in that range where someone can intuit it kind of like, you know, taking an Apple, you know, MacBook out of its box. I mean, they found a way to make it to where it's just so easy and pleasant to do. And crypto doesn't really have that yet. And I remember guys showing me how easy you know, a lightning wallet was, and I forget exactly the specific wallet. Um, and I just remember thinking, yeah, this is okay for us right now, but for a lot of people, there's a really long way to go. And these friction points need to be smoothened out 
before we can really bring in, you know, you know, everybody that we'd like to, to come into the space. But, um, yeah, I want to get back to, you know, before I go on too much of a tangent there, get back to, you know, Monero and Zcash and the differences between those things. And, you know, a little bit why Zcash, um, you know, they've, uh, you were telling me a little bit about some upgrades that have been made recently, which I was, I didn't hear about that was extremely exciting and why it looks like it's, you know, a superior asset. So if you want to just kind of outline Monero, Zcash, and any other privacy coins you think are worth mentioning, you know, go ahead. Yeah. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the Monero crowd, um, I think, and crypto has made this like pretty apparent where it's gotten, it's, it's very religious and cult-like, which is that's just how things are. You know, you look at any sort of brands out there, you know, Tesla, Apple, people kind of uh, a harness around like these, these certain ideologies and things like that. Um, so in the Monero world, you know, I, that this is just, you know, from opinion, um, they're very, uh, like anarchist and, you know, it, it's like totally anti-state and like, you know, just completely, uh, well, want to like pull themselves, uh, out of society in a way it is like how I view it. Um, Zcash also has kind of two different uh two different factions within it because you know you have the the privacy crowd um but then because of some of the features of zcash you do have uh the crowd that also you you know we want to keep things compliant not not scammy not you know fraudulent or enable um zcash for you know I I implicit like criminal activity and things like that, whatever. So when Zcash first started, um, the way they had to, um, because of because the way that zero knowledge proofs uh, work and basically the way that they were launching the, uh, the code, they couldn't do it in a fully like trustless way. So basically um, the story goes back to, and you, there's there's a few interviews of uh, Zuko explaining um, a little bit about the story, basically, and they had to uh, get together uh, a group of people, seven people that did not know each other from all different parts of the world, um, from different continents, and they all had a piece of this uh, of this key um, to Zcash that um, they didn't know each other, so they couldn't share it with each other or anything like that. And the way they they had to do this launch is basically um, in order from the first to the seventh person, they pass on their bit of the key, um, I believe is how it went. And uh, that that's how they launched the network. So it when when they refer to uh, when they talk about this in the in the cryptocurrency uh, industry, basically they call this like a trusted setup. Mm -hmm. 
and the uh, kind of the the downside with that was if if somebody was able to get the entire key they would have the ability to like print as much zcash as they want mm. or mint it mm-hmm. so that's been the biggest criticism of zcash uh, to today so the next upgrade uh, that you know you mentioned there it's called halo 2 halo 2 uh allows zcash to go fully trustless and there are ways to audit the uh, the supply because when they have an upgrade all of the coins leave that shielded pool from the previous uh, version of the protocol to the new version of the protocol mm, okay so that that eliminates those concerns um monero real has, quick when, when is the transition to halo 2 going to be right, completed sorry uh that's supposed to be in april it was supposed to be in january uh it they had to push it back till april they pushed that back in i think october um, and they've had to push it back multiple times. Um, something that they do is, yeah, they, they get a bunch of audits and stuff like that. These are absolute world-class like engineers. The, the people that created Zcash are, you know, people from MIT, Israel's Institute of Technology, uh, you know, some Purdue university scientists that worked with DARPA and stuff like that. So, um, you know, these aren't just some you know, random jokers off the these street. These are some, some, some big-brained individuals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, so to touch a little bit on uh, the differences in the privacy and how uh, Monero and Zcash secure their networks or, you know, encrypt them, if you could call it that, for Monero necessarily. Um, Monero essentially hides real trans uh, real transactions among fake ones so it's like a it's a decoy it, it's creating decoys so it's not necessarily encrypting the information it's it's creating fake information among the real information to make it hard to track what the, where the real information is which is fine and it it can work to a certain extent um, until you start uh you know having certain patterns of spending or sending and you know there's technology or software out there that you know chain analysis and stuff like that they they can catch on to that stuff over time um or of course uh cashing out through like an exchange or or something like that if you send to an exchange and from or basically there there's ways with uh with like timestamps and amounts um to be able to track those transactions down. The other big issue with uh, with Monero creating privacy the way that they are is scalability. So blockchains already don't scale very well. You're trying to store a lot of information on chain, um, which makes it you know over time as as you get more users, it get it gets slower and more expensive to use. 
And again, just going back to the point that there is no, um, there isn't necessarily an, an encryption. Again, it's, it's just mixing, it's mixing transactions. Um, whereas with Zcash, what you have is zero knowledge proofs, which were a, a highly experimental technology. I mean, when they first came out, when Zcash first came out up to that point, zero knowledge proofs were nothing but a, a theory, a theory of being able to prove something is true without revealing that information, uh, you know, what it, what it is exactly. So some of that stuff is pretty fucking big brained. I mean, if, if you try to go through uh, one of Italic Buterin's articles on zero knowledge proofs, I mean, you get fucking lost. Um, so what that allows Zcash to do too is to scale. So it does not need to store um, as much information on chain. And with Halo 2, it's setting it up to be able to scale even more so in the future and with transition to proof of stake, it'll be even better and all of that. So Zcash's ultimate goal is it's freedom. It's not uh, necessarily saying, oh, you have to hide everything or you know, you have to keep everything transparent. It actually gives you an option. You have uh, your T address and you have your Z address and you can use either or. There are and there are more applications to this than just you know for the money part of it, and um, there there may be reasons for you know when you want to tr uh, when you want to transact uh, transparently or you know when you want to transact um, in in a private manner, and um, Zcash allows you to be able to do that so. You know, when I talk about like there, there's different kind of a couple different routes, in my opinion, that, that this goes with Zcash is, you know, you you can go the complete anti-state, anti-federal reserve and, you know, fuck everybody route and just keep trying to obfuscate kind of the the feds by creating more resilient, um, you know, an increasingly resilient uh uh, protocol or, you know, payment rails for the internet or whatever. Um, or you can kind of find a, a middle ground, um, between, you know, all the parties involved to where, you know, my, my vision, and this is again, just all personal opinion. Like you can have, you know, Zcash, the protocol with the Zec currency, and, you know, cons I, I consider it like commodity money. Um, I, I wouldn't compare it to cash necessarily. Uh, not exactly. I, I would call it like a, a commodity money, essentially. You can have that at the, the core of the protocol. And if, you know, if the Fed wanted to build a CBDC on Zcash, you know, who gives a fuck if they build it and inflate the shit out of the the their, the the currency the U.S. dollar the CBDC whatever who gives a shit what they what they do with that at the end of the day like as long as there is value accrual to the protocol and the coin itself and that people have to use it for certain things or paying fees with it which are very minimal so I don't expect that to have 
um, kind of too much of uh, too much revenue generation or anything like that. But in in that world, um, you provide the platform, um, Zcash being the platform that allows users to, you know, express their own kind of interests. Um, so, you know, they, they could build their CBDC on it. They could do whatever on there. You have uh, Z addresses that keep everything private. You have T addresses that allow you to expose certain information if you needed to. And then the other really, really interesting thing that uh, characteristic that Zcash has is the uh, ability to like open up your wallet to specific people. Um, if you know you want to share your viewing keys for whatever reason, or let let's say in this world, you know you're um, you're you run a business, you pay for everything through this Z address, uh, you know everything is is settled through there. Um, you know, you're not doing anything illegal or whatever, you know, criminal activity or anything like that. And you want to, or uh, you get audited, uh, audited by the IRS, for example, or um, just submitting basic tax information or something, or maybe just for an audit, let's say in, in this scenario. You could provide the IRS with the viewing keys, uh, you know, to verify mm. certain transactions or, you know, that everything um, was spent, you know, the way that you claimed or whatever it may be. You had all the expenses and um, everything that you said. But then, you know, you can then just go ahead and, you know, you switch to another wallet. Basically, that's the only solution as of now. If you open up your viewing keys to another party, they do have the ability to uh, to see everything that you, you've ever done, basically, but only to that one party. Um, and that specifically is a feature uh, called uh, basically viewing keys. Um, so there's kind of uh, there's a few different ways that this can go, and I think there's a reason that you know the electric coin company who's behind Zcash has been running everything the way that they have and setting up. Uh, um, I think it's a 501 or 503c or something like that, like running it as a charity, trying to do everything as legitimate as possible because it's very easy for the feds to you know to go after them for the for the privacy thing if if they're doing other things that are not necessarily compliant so i do think they're kind of uh their values align with american values like the um the constitution and everything there's a lot of talk about that in the zcash circles and you know zcash is like a, a, a digital uh, constitution because it gives you the freedoms to to choose you know and how you share your information and again it could be monetary it could be for any sort of digital apps that are you know built on it later on or whatever it may be because like let's say for a use case of like uh, video gaming or something like that where um i don't know if you're playing one of these play to earn games or whatever and uh, maybe you do want to like reveal certain information playing with your friends, see who's 
uh, you know, who's the top dog, who's leading, who has how many points or whatever, you know, things like that. Um, there are cases for kind of both sides, you know, you, um, you don't want to just be a, a complete extremist and like, you know, everything has to have privacy, but when it comes to, you know, sensitive information and particularly how and where we spend our money and, you know, what we spend it on, um, Zcash gives you the ability to, to control again, what sort of information you reveal and what you don't reveal. And in my opinion, that very much, you know, aligns with, uh, with American values. Interesting little tidbit too. I know uh, it's been pretty long winded. So, um, I want to finish this point off on this. Uh, I think this was about three months ago. Jerome Powell was uh, in front of Congress. They were talking about CBDCs and cryptocurrencies. And um, he mentioned that a monetary um, monetary system that, you know, emulates kind of Bitcoin or where it's completely transparent and there's no privacy um, he actually said this himself that it more aligns uh, something like Bitcoin more aligns with uh, China's um, China's policies and not American policies, and mm. that they at the Federal Reserve at least is what you know what he was saying they would like to see a private CBDC or you know cryptocurrency. So. Um, that, along with some of the stuff that I sent in our in our group chat, I think that was last week about, um, I forget what the organization is called, but they work closely with uh, uh, Federal Reserve Banks around the world, and they were testing, um, testing on Zcash last year. They were pretty impressed with it. Um, she was just saying, basically, if, if you think that... Uh, the feds aren't paying attention to like cryptocurrencies or private cryptocurrencies. Like you're absolutely wrong. I spent this morning, you know, in this fed committee where they were talking about, uh, their, uh, their testing on Zcash and how impressed they were with the speed and, uh, and wow. like cheapness of the protocol and stuff like that. So I, I personally do believe it, it aligns with uh, America's uh, geopolitical interests um, kind of in the long term as well, regardless of all the craziness that's going on right now in the fucking, uh, I don't even know what to call them. Just the, the crazies that we have in, in government at the moment. I, I, I don't think any of that stuff is going to persist. It, it sucks in the short term seeing all this dumb shit going down, but in, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, try to I'm... explain something like this to them. I mean, they it's it's funny because the generation that's really calling the shots, they kind of have a general revulsion of this based on the fact that they don't really understand it and they know that they don't, and they think that that's bad. And, um, you know, the idea that people could have privacy and discretion in their transactions, like, oh my gosh. And, and I think you're totally right on. This is an option on freedom. I mean, this is about people empowering people to conduct transactions, financial transactions with people in the manner that they see fit. It's empowering. And that's really what it's all about. I mean, you know, we talk about the, you know, the individual spirit. I mean, this, this kind of thing is 
very, very appealing. And we need to keep spreading the word, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the, the most practical, you know, I, I, I get these crazy ass ideas of, you know, the most practical way to get people to adopt this stuff fucking start selling, you know, some sort of, uh, there, there, there's gotta be, um, I think like Stripe or Square, they started selling these fucking devices that you see at a lot of, uh, coffee shops in particular, even a lot of smaller businesses for their payment processing. And, you know, I just get these crazy ass ideas of like, you know, if, 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 if we want to make this happen, let, you know, let's make this happen and it create a product that you can go out and sell to businesses and make it very easy for them to accept this, to accept cryptocurrency or Zcash or whatever for payment. And that might not come for a little while, but I, I, I do get those ideas of just like, well, think about how it's the most practical way you, you get people to, to ex- to accept it i mean or it, it could work the other way where it does just kind of scale into the hands of consumers and maybe then by demand businesses start accepting it it, it could go either way yeah i mean think about how governments will treat businesses and treat individuals whenever they know that you know those people and those entities have the ability to um you know have private transactions I think they're going to treat us a little bit nicer, you know, or who knows, maybe they'll, they'll, you know, it's, it's, they're going to want to unleash all hellfire brimstone and brimstone on us, but mm. you know, to, to have that kind of option, whether or not, um, and how we disclose transactions, I think is really, really important. But I, I got a couple of questions here for you about, um, you know, the fact that it is totally private. Do we know who the big bag holders are in Zcash? If everything is private, do we have any idea on what that, what that may look like, or should we even care? Um, my assumption. So I, I can look and see, uh, you know, who's storing their, if there are any like whales that are storing their Zcash, uh, uh, transparently, which it is not smart kind of, Right. Why would you do that? Yeah. Again, the transacting part of it, if there's some reason you need to transact transparently, you just pull it out of the shielded pool, out of your shielded wallet. So you should always be storing it in the shielded regardless. Um, No, I don't have an answer on that. I, my assumption would be, man, that um, the electric coin company and Zcash foundation, the, combination of them uh under this charity they do have a um there's a 20 percent tax on every uh, every zcash that's mined so 20 mm. percent tax that goes to um it's a combination of uh three different things basically for uh the devs at ecc so um, this is actually a little bit unique in in funding for crypto because generally you have VC backing. Those you know VCs get a certain amount of those tokens. Wonderful or, VCs, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know they they get some sort of tokens, especially in the way that you know a lot of stuff is launching now. Where you look at the issue with uh, with Bitcoin, which is it, it 
the opposite. They don't they don't have a pre a pre mind where we're obviously no VCs or anything like that. But what it does struggle with from time to time is funding. Um, you know, funding the developers that are building the protocol. I mean, all of these guys are not just early rich adopters. You know, they they do need to make money too. Um, so Zcash does solve that with having um, a dev tax, which they receive the smallest amount of that twenty percent. Uh, the breakdown, I think, they're like somewhere around six or seven percent. Um, the majority of it is it goes to the Zcash Foundation where they issue grants. So literally any one of us can get some of the Zcash money. You know, if you've <laughs> Zcash money, if you've yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if we can improve the protocol in some way. Correct. And it can be a multitude of different things. You know, there have been uh, some people that have gotten grants. Uh, one recently that went through to do a documentary on Zcash. Uh, you know, they're they're exploring different things because they've not marketed very much, but I think they're opening up to that a little bit more and realizing that, you know, you they're building it and they're expecting people are going to come because what they build is going to be superior because of scalability, privacy, and um, ease of use along with being cheap and things like that. But um, you gotta love that. I mean, people are like, "Hey, let us let us go show you what we've done," and we're not trying to, you know, sell you some BS that can be easily disproven. I mean, it, it sounds like, and it just it, it's logical that some of the brightest minds, you know, in in crypto are going to be, you know, involved in a project like this. And, and beyond just financial compensation, it's it's an ideological alignment. And that's, that's what really drives people at the end of the day, highly, highly motivated people is that they're working towards something greater. And it sounds like those are the kind of people you have working at Zcash. Yeah. Um, and again, because of the way that uh, I do want to touch on this point a little bit more because, you know, personally, I, I'm not a fan of taxes. I hate that word. I don't like taxes. I pay a very, very high tax rate being single in California. It's, it's, it's energy theft. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you exactly. think about it too, I mean, you know, currency, I mean, a simple definition that I use is currency is a transfer of energy relating to a perception of value. And so, you know, when you have the state of California, let's, I mean, let's think about how high the cost of living is. You're paying federal income tax. You're paying a state income tax, which now they're going to increase even more. That income or that money that you, that you would be able to retain and that energy could go into having a bigger house, you know, um, having, you know, getting married, having your spouse stay at home or work part time because you want to have kids. I mean, that is, you know, a high tax environment is penal on, um, you know, on, on regular people. And it, it's not just buying stuff. It's not being able to buy a nicer pair of jeans or a nicer car it's, you know, comes down to the family. I mean, that's how fundamental it is. So I understand your <laughs> loathing of that. And yeah. I'm the, same, I'm the same way. Definitely. And I, I want to go back to, uh, so the Zcash dev tax, um, it was supposed to go away in 2020. And I, I think that's very important to mention the community, um, Zcash holders and the, um, uh, 
basically the, the Zcash Foundation elects like a committee of random people. I mean, I have two of my friends that are on there uh, cool. on the committee. I'm personally not. I'm, a, I'm involved with a Zcash users group. But um, anyways, they voted to keep the dev tax. And one of the big reasons, uh, and this may be surprising even, you know, for you to learn, um, even with being around these circles, but Bitcoin and, you know, you can Google it, you can find it pretty easy. Bitcoin actually struggles a lot with funding for development. Um, I, I do personally, I think this is a, a, one of the many advantages that Zcash has and just, you know, the way it was set up. And again, the people decided to have that dev tax in there. So, yeah, I mean, and you think about the future of Bitcoin. I mean, if you can't fund, if you can't continue to fund the people that need to develop the protocol, then you're really thinking technology that's relevant today is going to hold up just as good in five or 10 years from now. And that seems pretty um, arrogant, you know, to, to think that it's going to continue on like that. Well, and, and Bitcoin hasn't, you know, to that point, um, it hasn't improved since the very first time I've used it. I mean, there's not, you know, you can talk about Lightning Network and Layer 2s and all this kind of stuff. That's not Bitcoin at the end of the day. And there's, in my opinion, there's no fucking point of any of this if you start getting into like this Layer 2 stuff. Like you, you're just rebuilding same old trusted garbage that we're depending on right now. Um, yeah, I agree. And even the the lack of privacy thing, everything that crypto was built for, without that little aspect, which is really actually big in the grand scheme of things of privacy, there's no fucking point of any of this. You know, we're basically walking ourselves as citizens of the world into a big ass mousetrap if this is the best that we get out of cryptocurrency. Yeah, it's going to be co-opted, and we already see that happening right now. I mean, there's it, it's it's just in the early stages of, you know, they you know the the current financial system and governments are going to try to find a way to co-opt this entire thing, and you know, and, and the question is, are people going to go for it or not? I mean, it really is something. I mean, you need enough people standing up against this. Unfortunately, if you've got ninety plus percent of the population that's just going to kind of go along for the ride you know, that other five or 10% that really want to fight for freedom and, you know, and, and have, again, discretion in their financial transactions, they're going to get caught up um, in the maelstrom is, is, is my concern. So we need people to, you know, be, be paying attention to what's going on. And, if, you know, if it's, you know, you know, writing their congressman, which I, you know, I hate just the thought of that, but <laughs> it's just basically, we need to take our collective, um, you know, power, you know, in crypto, and we need to find ways to work with politicians and be vocal online and raise hell uh, as much as we possibly can, because uh, it's coming. There is, you know, I think Biden right now is working on, you know, crypto legislation, and I'm sure that's going to come along the pike here in the next year or two, and we're not going to like it. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I've got, I've got well, one look, other it, question it, here for, real quick, it, real quick. Let me get this out while I think of it. Yeah. Is so one of the things that um, with Monero that's a problem is that it's got to be on a centralized exchange. You can't use it on DEXs, at least now that might have changed in, in the last, I don't know, few, few months or something like that. 
but my understanding is is that it, the blockchain doesn't work um, whenever you can't go to a decentralized exchange. It has to be centralized and on a centralized exchange, and um, you know which creates a whole host of problems. And a lot of these larger exchanges aren't going to touch Monero. That's one of the reasons why it's not a top ten coin. You know, it's probably somewhere right now closer to you know thirty five or even forty. Because it's just, it, you really have to work hard to get it. And it, so when it comes to Zcash, is it something where there's going to be decentralized exchanges where we can buy Zcash? Or, you know, if let's say I'm just, you know, some guy out there that hears this show and you're like, okay, dude, this is badass. I'm sold. I want to go buy Zcash. What do I do? You can go on pretty much any centralized exchange and get Zcash you're getting the transparent you're getting it transparently obviously your kyc and everything and um the easiest way if you're in the united states um coinbase pro or uh, kraken uh, has what it what is it Kra I'm on yeah Kra um gemini gemini is actually pretty cool too because they let you uh they let you deposit from your uh, Z address. Okay. Um, I don't think they store it in a Z address on there, but I, I did think that was, that was pretty cool. Um, and they do let you uh, exit out into a Z address as well, I believe. So that, that was something they added, I think, last year, which is kind of interesting because the way Gemini operates is like under the New York district's laws which are a little bit tougher i think they might have even had to delist zcash for a little bit um at one point i think coinbase had to at one point as well um and some other exchanges but it's it's back on all of them even in the uk recently uh, i think that was with coinbase they allow zcash again too um so yeah you could hop on coinbase pro um there's no dexes necessarily that you can get pure zcash on what you can do is let's say you have some ethereum you want to convert it to zcash um you can actually do that you can convert uh ethereum to renzec and this is you know where some of this stuff does get complicated but anyways you have Ethereum. Oh, this is cool. we, we need to know this stuff this is this yeah. is really good information all right, so it, check this out. This is really cool, actually. So say you have Ethereum in your MetaMask. You want to convert it to Zcash. So you go on uh, Uniswap with your MetaMask wallet. You connect there. And you can trade your Ethereum for Renzec. So it's it's like wrapped, like a wrapped Bitcoin or like, you know, wrapped Ethereum or whatever. You've probably seen WETH before. Mm -hmm. like yes. wrapped ethereum so ren does something similar to that and it allows for zcash a wrapped zcash to be tradable then um, you can actually take this once you complete that swap from ethereum to renzec uh, you could take that renzec and through renproject.io this ren protocol um, you can use their bridge and basically convert your Renzec into Zcash 
right back into your Zcash wallet. Um, Renzec also does, they don't support the withdrawal to, um, to uh, Shielded because it's it's got to be a infrastructure thing um, in like compatibility and stuff like that. So it has to go to your T address first and then you can convert it into your Z address. Where so you have to receive it as, as kind of like a public, potentially yeah. public transaction, you know, as, as Rinzek into your wallet. And then you, um, you know, then you can change the designation. Correct. Okay. Correct. That's what exists today. Now what's coming, uh, I think this is on about the same time timeline as the Halo 2 release is integration with ThorChain. Have you heard of uh, ThorChain? Yes, I have. I've heard positive things about ThorChain. Yeah, it's badass, really badass. Um, it allows you to do native swaps. So like you don't have to wrap shit. You don't need to deal with any of these like, you know, because essentially even like Ren, it, it's pretty much like a, a third party. You know, when you're, you wrap your, uh, your, your Zcash with this, if anything happens to Ren protocol, I mean, it, you know, you could get fucked too. Mm. Cool thing with Thorchain is it's the the swaps are native, so like I don't have to I don't have to go and wrap my Zcash to trade it for Ethereum or the other way around. Uh, you're doing a direct swap from one asset to another without any intermediary in between. And um, what is that? Shapeshift is one app that. They have their own um, user interface, but they're using uh, Thorchain's liquidity on the back end for their swaps. So that's actually one easy way to use um, ThorSwap as of now. And Monero is going to be available through that too. Um, I don't think it is yet, but both Zcash and Monero are going to be available with uh, ThorSwap pretty soon. Yeah, I know that was one of the big problems with Monero was the atomic swaps and trying to crack that nut was extremely difficult. So, I mean, I, I, I've, I need to learn more about ThorChain. Um, I, I, again, I've heard good things about it through you and some other people that are, you know, more privacy inclined. Um, but, uh, yeah, this, this is really, really cool. It sounds, it sounds like it may be, is it the same thing as in an atomic swap? Is it just a different name or is it actually something different? Um, I think that I don't know exactly, but I, I assume it's, I assume it's the same thing because with atomic swaps, I'm, I'm familiar with a few exchanges. We've, uh, we played around with those, uh, with our Zcash users group. Um, but there was like, there was some sort of intermediary in between still where it might've just been some sort of like a contract that is in between you and the and the other party that um is basically like holding escrow mm -hmm. uh until you know funds are released and um and both or funds are both there and then they're both released obviously uh with thor chain uh with thor swap i don't believe it goes through any inter intermediaries because you're just going from you know, one wallet to whatever the, the other wallet, uh, the, the asset that's compatible or the wallet that's compatible with the other asset you're swapping into. So all it's doing 
is using the liquidity of the liquidity providers on ThorChain um, instead of creating a central third party in the middle, which I wow. think atomic swaps still do have some sort of... Uh, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And I actually just, you know, as we're speaking, I just found a article on Medium uh, and it's called Why Cross-Chain Bridges Are Superior to a Atomic Swaps. And it looks like the ThorChain team published just a couple years ago. And so I'm going to have to read that and get brushed up uh, when our conversation ends. So, yeah, so I, I, and I got, I guess I got one last question here for you. And then I, you know, open it up to you to address anything else about Zcash, Monero, privacy, crypto, really whatever you want. Um, you know, I know a lot of the crypto OGs, like, you know, people like Gainsey, who's uh, a friendly, a guy here in Miami, and has a really good time. And he lets all of us know. Uh, he absolutely loves Zcash. You know, Barry, I think it's a Barry Silbert, the guy yeah. with, with Grayscale. He's a big Zcash guy. There's something about Zcash. And of course, you look at the price of Zcash in that 2017 run up, that just crazy parabolic, um, you know, run that you saw then. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it hit $3,200. I mean, it just it just went off the charts, and so I think in this run, I remember it getting in like maybe around two fifty, and people were getting really excited. And right now, it's on deal. I think it's probably like you know eighty five, ninety bucks. So it could be a really good time to pick some up. And so, um, you know, my question: Are, are you buying Zcash now? Are you dollar cost averaging in? Are you looking for certain entry points? Um, how you know you're pat you're passionate about this? I'd assume you're still buying it. Um, how do you kind of look at accumulating more of this great asset? I'm so far deep into this asset at the moment that, <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I, I was buying this at pretty much the lows in 2020. Um, okay. I think I, I, I started buy orders uh, probably around 26, uh, 26 bucks to even 40. So, I mean, once it starts getting down, like if it gets down into the, into the sixties, um, 72 was, uh, a number that I mentioned, uh, a few days ago there in our group, actually, where I was kind of, uh, I was looking to, to buy some more and never really dropped down there. Um, kind of in the position that I'm in, I, I would be very enticed to buy much more in the sixties range. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I, you know, I, I can't say that, you know, everybody should be buying, uh, under a hundred, you know, I'm already someone that's holding. Um, but like, if, if you want an opportunity to, it's not financial advice, but if you want an opportunity for a good entry, like, uh, a killer fucking entry, um, if it gets down into the 60s, I'm very confident that it does not go below that. And if it does, it doesn't stay there for very long. Because look, man, when it comes down to like the economics of all of this stuff, Zcash is a proof of work cryptocurrency as of today. Um, miners stop making money at the $60 and below range. Mm. Um, it costs about... I like 68 bucks or something to mine AZ cash. I just spoke with uh, in DMs a couple weeks ago with the CEO of Luxor Mining. 
Um, they were like one of the first really big Zcash supporters and miners, and they've been mining Bitcoin for a long time. And I, I actually got those numbers nailed down pretty good. So um, I don't see it falling below what it actually costs to create it. Um, and that, in my opinion, would be like a generational buying opportunity uh, for Zcash. Yeah, and, and I think about just the crypto market in general. Um, you know, we're looking at Bitcoin now. It looks like it's, you know, like 36, 8, something like that. You know, and of course it ran up, you know, and, you know, nearly touching 70. It's just hard to imagine Bitcoin going much, you know, going into the mid to low 20,000 range. And if it does, it would be one of those very short, short lived things to where, you know, it happens in the middle of the night and you wake up the next morning and it's recovered, which I've, you know, we've seen happen. I'm, I'm, you've seen probably happen quite a few times. I've seen happen, a few, you know, I, I remember, I guess it was back in early December, whenever it. I guess it was like mid to low fifties and it plummeted down to like, you know, 43. And it was just, I've never seen something go down that quickly. Um, but I, I do think that, um, you know, th this is, this is a emerging asset class, more people, you know, we've got boomers talking about getting in now and they're, you know, they're, they're wealth management guys talking about getting crypto exposure. So I just don't think you're going to see, and I could be very wrong. And if I am, so be it. I just don't see, you know, the market getting cut in half or something like that uh, with the way it's going. It's already, you know, we nearly touched three trillion, you know, in total crypto assets. And now it's maybe one and a half, 1.6. I just can't imagine it going below a trillion dollars, but who knows? Yeah, I, I think this year and kind of touching on some of the things that I mentioned in the in the beginning here, I and this isn't just coming from me. I mean, I've been talking to people a lot more experienced, smarter than me. Um, this year is going to be very volatile in in both directions, um, both in in stocks and crypto. And I don't really see that scenario happening. And and Bitcoin has never gone down below the previous cycle's top. Um, which, you know, you can argue what, what the top was. Was it the, the daily, you know, the, the weekly or the monthly or whatever? Even if you go to like the monthly, I mean, it was about 14,000 on, on a monthly was the top, I think, mm -hmm. uh, for Bitcoin the previous cycle. So, you know, that's like the, the doomsday scenario for sure. Um, Bitcoin's real backstop is, I think, about 6K. I think that's where minor or maybe even a little bit lower somewhere within that five to six K range though, that that's where it stops being profitable as well. Um, that's where the miners the like are, are shutting down because they just cannot make it work. I mean, I just don't see. Any, I mean, that that's like a game over scenario, you know, I mean, like yeah, in terms that, of the world, you know, like that's like a, we've got bigger problems. If that were, if that were to happen, I just can't. I can't yeah. I mean, that. you, you have a lot of, there's a lot of rich, you know, very established people that are very much into Bitcoin. And even, you know, there's there's boomers and stuff like that. The what's his name? Uh, uh, big fund manager guy, Miller. I think, forget his first name. He's like <laughs> his net worth is like all in Amazon and Bitcoin, apparently, or something like that. Bill Miller. So, Bill Miller. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, you know, I told my dad about that the other day, by the way. So, you know, that that Bill Miller guy, you know, he's got half his money in Bitcoin and, uh, you know, he's a bit of a, you know, he's a boomer. What? What? Who's Bill Miller? (laughs) (laughs) I was surprised to hear that. But, you know, when you have people like that in the space, uh, if we did have a huge downturn event like that, if, you know, if you had miners uh, shutting down or whatever, I mean, at some point, some of these guys probably, you know, step in and fund some of this stuff. Maybe um, you do have a lot of expansion in the mining industry, even a lot of uh, U.S. Uh, listed you know, stock companies have uh, kind of pivoted from maybe other things they were doing and directed their their cash and their resources towards, you know, Bitcoin and crypto and Ethereum mining. And you have, you know. The Sacramento Kings uh, that are mining Ethereum in their data center over at Golden One. I mean, there, there's the the industry's gl- grown a lot. So I mean, I don't. It's like you said, if if we see that sort of a downturn scenario, we've got much bigger fucking problems than, yeah. than Bitcoin to worry about. Which I do, <laughs> <laughs> I I do think there's a chance, you know, and uh. I don't want to, you know, start getting too deep into some of this stuff, but there's, there's some kind of uh, some alternative reasons why uh, I've been led to believe that the ending to this year is not going to be great for financial markets. And yeah, I mean, we're we're, we're living in the age of uncertainty and it's only, and I feel like the intensity is only going to ratchet up more and more. And because we're so, we're also hyper-connected. And so it feels like these things just keep building, building and building, and it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, you know, you look at markets in general have had a really good run, you know, outside of like March of 2020 with, you know, the COVID vacuum and then everything came back pretty, you know, pretty quickly and, and bigger than ever. Um, but it does seem like this is going to be a different year than last year. It's going to be much more uncertain, volatile, and it's not it's not going to be as easy. And that's one of those things where you've got to be self-aware. And, you know, myself as an investor, I know what I don't know. And I don't want to, um, you know, roll the dice. Like I need to be sure, you know, or have a relative level of certainty into what I'm getting into. And, um, you know, right now I, I, I forget who exactly, who was it? Who was it that said this? They said, I'm lost. I don't play. And right now I'm lost. It was Stan Drunkenmiller. I remember he said that. He said, if I, yes, I, I remember he said this in an interview and he's like, if I don't know what's going on, then I'm not going to play. And right now I'm not playing. And I, you know, not to compare myself with Stan Drunkenmiller, but I, I don't, I don't have any, you know, real sense in where this is going. And someone like myself, I mean, I wouldn't mind if there was some blood in the streets. I mean, that, that, I, I don't think we're there yet. Could be wrong. But, um, you know, I've got my dry powder ready to go. Yeah. That's uh, the, the goal is to stay in the game. You know, yeah. and, um, <laughs> trading is uh, trading and I, I'd say longer term investing, maybe not as much. But I mean, trading and kind of short term investing, which I, I, I would call that trading. You know, if you're holding a position for one, two, three, six months, even I, I call that a trade, not an investment. Mm. Um, it's fucking difficult, you know, it's, and it's in, in, uh, in kind of objective, it, it's no different than almost like, uh, like gambling. 
I mean, your, your goal is to keep your chips, stay in the game and, you know, your, um, limit, limit downside risk. And, uh, you know, eventually if you're competent, you're going to win. You know, if you're incompetent, you're going to lose regardless, but I think that's a great way to keep your chips and yeah, I I think you're, 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 you need to stay engaged. You know, I mean, you you know, you don't want to put every, you know, try to get, you know, the three, four X and risk everything and end up with nothing, which sadly we know we see these stories on Twitter all the time where you know, somebody that knows somebody that had this happen to them. And now they're out begging on the street, you know, like, Hey guys, here's my address, you know, please send me something. And it's, it's really hard when some of these guys have been around a long time and you just think what was going on in that person's life to where they had this kind of financial success and then somehow they forgot how to do it or they had a personal life issue or they had an addiction problem. Something happens and somebody that was formerly the best at what they did or got lucky and it's all, it's gone like that. And there's really very, very little chance they're ever going to make it back again. We see it happen a lot in crypto. Yeah, uh, you definitely have to be mentally strong. <clears throat> you know, it, in my opinion, if you're if you're mentally strong, um, you know, losing some money, getting your ass beat, or you know, whatever it may be, any any sort of downturn in your life, uh, you know, as, as long as you you believe in yourself, and this is all fucking cliche, but I know it's fucking true because. I know the situations that I've been in the past and what, what got me out of that. And, you know, just having a self-belief, not taking, you know, no for an answer, learning from as many people as I can, even the stupid ones of what not to do. Um, as long as you remain mentally strong in this, in this game of life, you, you will, you will win. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think everybody should put themselves in a position where they don't really have any, like, there's no plan B, there's no alternative. It's, it's, you know, it's fight or die, you know, in a relative sense. And you're either going to come out the other side or you may not, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't, there, there's, there's no, there's no escape route. Um, you know, I've had that happen, you know, a few times in my life and that's when growth really occurs and it makes you a yep. better person. And the only way is, learning by doing. I mean, experience is, there's no fast forward button on experience. You've got to earn it. And that's tough for a lot of young people to hear. I mean, I was told that when I was younger, you don't have enough experience. And I was like, oh God, you know, like, well, I'm pretty smart. Isn't that enough? Well, I mean, it is and it isn't. I mean, capable people, it's it's great to be capable. You can win, but um, sooner or later, it's just about experience and the school of hard knocks. And, um, you know, you got to take those risks to really get through it yeah so with, with that well, man I, I go, go ahead yeah no just real quick that uh just what what you uh expressed there is one of the reasons that i uh also went into into sales you know it was just uh I, I think that was kind of a subconscious thought of it's like uh you knew what was, you needed yeah it was a sink or swim type of thing and you know not that you know i have a fam you know big family and stuff like that they're they're always you know there for me if i need it and stuff like that but i don't like to ask people for help and i was at a point where i was like i'm gonna learn some shit make some money and uh, i'm gonna make over six figures and like 
you know, I, I did those things. I've been in those tough, challenging situations of like, shit, I need to, I need to fucking do this. There's no option of not doing it. And then seeing it come to fruition and like, you know, you, you did it, you feel good about yourself and it compounds and, you know, expands into other areas of your life too. Yeah. And, and, and you know, if you come from a middle-class or upper middle-class family, and so you've got a good family unit and you can afford to take a risk and go out and fail. In my view, you're obligated. You are obligated at least once in your life to not go the safe route and go, you know, whether it's a trader or you want to go be an entrepreneur, you have a great idea. And it doesn't mean be stupid and just jump off the cliff without thinking about it. But, you know, plan out what you want to do and take that risk. And maybe you have to couch surf, you have to eat out of tuna cans. You know, you've got to, you know, live like a pauper for a while. Everybody should take that risk, particularly if you're somebody that you have a good support system and you have something to fall back on. You know, you don't have to play it safe. You've got people that are there to help pick you up. So to me, that's an obligation. You know, if you're aware of that, you need to go take that risk. And because um, there's lots of other people that would like to be in that position. But they can't because they've got to make ends meet. They've got to pay the bills. They've got to eat that day. And they're forced into a system. And they don't really have, they just have to go that. So if you have, if, if you're, it sounds like you're that kind of guy that you come from a good family, you have a good upbringing, and, you know, you've got an inclination to take on some risk. And, um, you know, we just want to encourage everybody out there, you know, that's, that's similar to, to consider that. At least one time in your life, take that big jump. Yep, definitely. Watching, uh, and this last thing I'll say on, on this topic, but, uh, watching my, uh, one of my older brothers, um, you know, go from building, uh, his first cabinet in his own garage to now having a, you know, about a 30, probably close to $30 million company of his own. I didn't work with him, but, um, you know, seeing, seeing that firsthand and him building this company for the last 14 years that uh, I am lucky to also um, have certain people uh, in my life and certain people that I can emulate and learn from. So <clears throat> no, it's good to have a big brother as a lead block. You know, I'm the oldest of three brothers and you know, you're probably a better athlete than your older brother, which is that, it's funny how it works. I mean, cause you are the lead block and that's good and bad. And, um, you know, I've got two younger brothers that were always looking to take me out, man. I mean, they had to wait years and years before, you know, it was whether it was, you know, golf, you know, uh, basketball, we played handball growing up. They were so motivated to take me down <laughs> and ultimately they did, you know, and I, and I was a good sport about it. And that's what part of what you have to do as an older brother is, is realize that that day may come and you've got to be a, you got to handle it like a G and not, not, you know, be too hard on them. Um, are you a better at just curious? Are you a better athlete than <laughs> your brother? Uh, oh yeah, by far better, better than all of them. There's a, Jeez. there's, there's nine of us total. Five oh my gosh. Four, Where do you fall boys, in there? Four girls. Uh, eighth out of nine. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, that's awesome, man. That's cool. You're going to have nine kids of your own one day. <laughs> Uh, at least a good three. We, we yeah. gotta, we gotta bring some base people into this world. Yeah, we do. We do. We, we, that's what the base brotherhood is all about, man. It's, it's guys like us connecting with others of like mind and keep bringing people into the fold. And, um, 
you know, I, I love this topic. I've been wanting to talk about it for a while about privacy coins, but it's not always the most popular uh, narrative in the space. It gets overlooked. And you know how there's this narrative rotation within it's crypto not, where. Yeah, it's not sexy either. No, no, because it's like people think, well, if that's what we have to do, then I mean, I'll hope it's lost. Like, no, guys, this is just empowering. It's something that's available. The technology is there and we need to start, you know, utilizing it the way that it was intended to be used or. You know, we're going to get um, eventually the industry is going to be co-op, you know, co-opted and um, it's going to be harder and harder. So, you know, we we're very we look favorable on any kind of privacy coin and we want to keep spreading the word. And, you know, my last question is where are the resources where people can learn more about Zcash, Monero, privacy related protocols and where can they find you? So for Zcash community, a lot of uh, just discussions on different topics and proposals, you can go to uh, forum.zcashcommunity.com and you can sign up, make an account uh, with an email on there. Um, again, that's forum.zcashcommunity.com. And then if you want to learn a little bit more about the electric coin company and how they came to be, and they have uh, a lot of roadmap details and resources uh, on here, it's uh, electriccoin.co. And self plug here, you can follow me on Twitter at gogetitman28. Again, that's at gogetitman28. Um, I'm not always posting about Zcash, but you'll definitely see at least a few things a day. Um, and when I feel there's something <clears throat> extremely relevant that needs to be shared, I'll summarize it and stuff like that. Some other crypto content, some uh, nonsense posting, and you know, a few other things might might find interest in following me. All right. Awesome, guys. Well, Zcash money. Thanks for joining us, guys. Follow him at, at GoGetItMan28. Uh, he's got great content. He posts a lot, and he's growing his followers. So I think you'll find him very interesting. Once again, man, thanks for joining us, and that's a wrap. Appreciate it. Thank you, Alex.